Trigger warning. Trigger warning. If you do find this not helpful at the moment, don't feel like you have There's to There's any keep... pressure to listen yeah. whatsoever. Know that Georgia and I care about you and that we love you and that we want what's best for you. Yeah. And this podcast is not aiding you in your recovery and your mental state and how your day is going. Please do not feel any pressure or need to listen to it. Yeah, just take care of yourself. Just take care of yourself. Also, Georgia and I are not professionals at all no. when it comes to Like, we're, we don't have degrees in this. No, we're not. We not. No, <laughs> no, we are just two girls who are recovering from eating disorders themselves, wanting to share our stories right. and shed some light on some topics that may be harder to talk about. There will right. also be many resources in our description box. So if there's any point during this episode, any point at all, that you feel like that you need that little bit of extra support, no, there's no judgment. There's nothing wrong with you needing that and that feel free to use them and that we support you and that we are so proud of you. Yes. Yeah. Picture me this. I'm here. We eat the fucking food. We eat the fucking food. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome back to another episode of We Eat the Fucking Food with Lauren. Hey, how y'all doing? Um, (laughs) I have been up since 4am because I worked at 5 so I'm pretty tired right now but considering the fact that I've been up for so long... I have a lot of energy. I don't know. I feel like it's confusing. I don't feel like tired, but I'm happy to be back in my dorm room for the night. I guess what's new this week? Absolutely nothing. Uh, this week is pretty, pretty average for a week in my life, except I was extremely anxious for the first half of it. And I'm not sure why. I tried to process it today in therapy, but legitimately couldn't pinpoint where any of the anxiety would be coming from, which is annoying because I am a person who likes to know the root cause of what's causing me emotions. I like to dig deep, but there's nothing there to dig. So that sucks. But yeah. So I guess let's just like get right into the episode. This episode is going to be kind of about identity within the eating disorder, within recovery, within life. I shared last podcast that I've had a lot of new revelations about who I am as a person, what I aspire to be as a person. Yeah, and I feel like my identity has just really shifted a lot since coming back to college. But first, we will do a little catch-up. So a high and low of this week. A high would definitely have to be I got to have a lovely, lovely dinner with Lauren Walsh and her family. Last night, we went out for Mexican food, had a margarita, had some tacos, had some guacamole. It was a great time. It was such a good time. I was vibing so hard with the fam. We were laughing, talking about life, the craziness of it. Yeah, I just feel so lucky and so blessed to have such a supportive, like, second family, pretty much, down here in Naperville, because I was having a harder week, and that dinner really was a good, like, grounding time for me, and a great present moment in my week, because I feel like I've been in my head a lot, but during that meal, I was super present, felt so engaged, yeah. I love you, Lauren Walsh. I hope you're listening to this. I know you're listening to this. I love you. 
I love you too, Sheila, if you're listening to this as well. <laughs> um, but a low of my week uh, would probably have to be just the anxiety I've been feeling. It started on Monday, and I think it's because of the fact that my birthday is a week from Sunday, and I have really been using my birthday as a motivation in my recovery for like where I want to be during it. And now that it's coming, I think the anticipation of it is causing me some stress. I'm kind of wanting to pre-compensate for the weekend and a lot of old habits and behaviors and like routines and patterns that I practiced a lot during my disorder are still like wired pretty strongly in my brain to like want to go back to doing that. So it's been a lot of opposite action this week and a lot of like reframing. So that's been kind of a low because that's annoying because I feel like last week I was in such like a high and like such a good mood. And on Tuesday, I had to take a mental day. I like couldn't do it. I worked a shift at work and I was woke up at like 5 a.m. for it and I was anxious the whole entire time. And then I came back and I was like, I'm so exhausted. And I went to class and then I was like, okay. Maybe after this class, I'll take a quick nap and then add another class. And I was supposed to go do another class. And I emailed my professor for the second class. And I was like, hey, I'm having a really hard mental day. I need to take a step back and I'll make up the hours and this class on a different day. And luckily that they are extremely supportive of that. And they allowed me to. And I went back and I took a nap. And that night I didn't leave my dorm room. I watched some sex education with my roommate. That TV show is amazing. If you've not watched Sex Education, they just released season three on Netflix. I highly, highly recommend watching it. The writing is genius. I also think I just really like British TV. I don't know why. I like the humor in it better than American TV, I think. There I said it. Um, yeah, but that was probably my low this week. I mean, overall, like, life is going pretty well. I can't complain much except for that state of anxiety, which then caused me to fall behind in a couple of my courses. But I did catch up today. I realized that I absolutely love going to coffee shops and just like, or getting out of my dorm room and sitting down and doing homework and like getting rid of a bunch of like to-dos and stuff. I feel so productive and I absolutely love it. Something that went well in my recovery this week would probably have to be, despite the fact that I had this need to pre-compensate and this urge to engage in some behaviors, I didn't allow myself to fully hand over all of that anxiety and that control that I was wanting to my disorder and to that voice in my head that was telling me not to eat the crumble cookie. I ate the crumble cookie and the crumble cookie's fucking good. That's another thing I highly recommend if you have not tried crumble cookie. It's so good. So good. The cornbread flavor this week, immaculate. Been really into peanut butter. The peanut butter cookie this week, immaculate. Um, Yeah, but so like that's like great that like I'm able to still sit with all those harder emotions and recognize and honor. And sometimes like on Tuesday, like I did take it easy. I gave myself a lot of self-compassion and a lot of and like flexibility and acknowledge I was like hey today is not a great day for us it wasn't the best day meal plan compliance wise wasn't the best emotional day for me like at all literally felt like I was going to cry the whole entire day but I met myself where I was 
I tried my best to cope through as best as I could. I took a step back when I needed to, reset myself, and I feel much, much better than if I would have forced myself through that anxious state and just continued to spiral down that thought pattern that I was going down. So I'm proud about that. And that's nice. It's nice to be in a place in my recovery where I have the ability to do that because I definitely know when I was here on campus, winter of 2020, that I'm saying, okay, early winter of 2020, like January, like beginning of the year 2020, um, I would not have responded the same way that I did to my emotions on Tuesday. So that's good. But here's a little bit of a kicker and a catch in the whole entire thing. I think one of the reasons why Tuesday was so hard for me was because I really tried to push myself on Monday, like with my bitch foods. I had a day full of bitch foods and I really tried to push through all those voices. I was at a company, company, I was in a staff meeting or like a staff, all staff meeting for my work. It was like a training and they provided pizza for us and my disorder was having a heyday. It was like, nope, we can't eat the pizza. Pizza is a meal. We're going to get dinner after the meeting with um, our roommates. Like, you're going to get crumble cookie tonight. Like, this is, we can pass on the pizza. But I wanted the pizza. Like, I was hungry. And I, at first, you said, excuse, I was like, oh, dairy doesn't go with my body. Like, I don't digest it well. I'm going to have an upset stomach. I don't have an upset stomach. Like, I was making excuses. But then I just kept thinking about the pizza when I was doing the training. And I was like, I am not present at all. And I want to show up as a good employee right now. So I was like, all right, if anything, just have one piece. So I had a piece. And then I had another piece. And it was freaking amazing. It smacked. It was a really good pizza. But I think because of the fact that I did allow myself to do that, the disorder was like, oh, hell no, dude. Hell no. Like, I, no. And that that set me into just an extremely anxious state for the next day. And it sucked because, like, I knew. Like, I knew the next day, like, why I was having a hard day. I know I knew it was my eating disorder. Like, I was fully aware that that was the voice that I was hearing and that's where the emotions I was, like, feeling and what was causing it. But I couldn't get myself to unlatch from that. I couldn't get myself to unlatch from that feeling. I reframed every single thought. I thought challenged every single disorder thought that like came through. And like I, I'm not trying to like humbly brag right now, but I would say I've gotten pretty good at being able to reframe like all of my thoughts. Like I was talking to my therapist about that today. I was like, here's the deal. I can have these disordered thoughts and I know they're disordered and I can reframe every single one of them, but something still just like I don't know what it is. It just doesn't click. Like it clicks in one part of my brain, but the other part of my brain is just like turned off. That's annoying. Um, where was I going with this story? Oh, yeah, I guess I was just to kind of say that recovery is hard and that I have great days and I'm able to challenge myself, but I still do suffer from the need to compensate and the need to justify and the need to have this perfection in my meal plan, in my eating during the day, in my productivity during the day. 
So yeah, we're tackling another beast. But hey, we're battling still. We're doing it. That's all that matters. Another thing that happened this week is I sent a email to my residential therapist on Sunday because Saturday marked one year for me going to Center for Discovery in Chicago. And that's so exciting too. I sent an email to my therapist and just updating him, being like, hey, this is how I'm doing. Just want to let you know. And I got such a kind, sweet response back from him. And he was like, I can't believe you remember me. And I was like, I saw you for three months every single day. You literally helped me through all my trauma work. How would I forget you? But yeah, so it was just rewarding to be able to send a message being like, hey, like I'm in a good place. I'm nowhere near, again, like the person and the place I know I can be, but I'm getting there and I'm working towards it and I'm heading in the right direction and that's all that matters. So yeah, that was exciting. But yeah, so that's what's new in my life. I'm trying to think if there's anything else to update you with. Um, nope, that's it. <laughs> okay, so to head into the topic of today's episode, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I kind of mentioned it during my first solo episode that I posted in like the middle of the summer about like having an identity as a girl with an eating disorder. And how like fed up I was with it. And how I'm still fed up with it. Like I don't wish to have that identity. But I know it's a part of me. And I'm not ashamed of it or embarrassed by it. But it's just kind of like annoying. And I just kind of want to like touch on that. And how it can be really confusing. To find yourself in recovery. And to really like. Maybe it's just because I really struggle with wanting to label myself. And like where I'm at. And like no and be told like I'm doing well or like how far maybe I'm into recovery I am or like how much longer it's going to take or like when the thoughts are going to subside even more than they have like now. But I really find myself wanting to label myself with where I'm at. And I also find that the people in my life want to label it too. So kind of talking about that. So to start us off on the topic, to get it rolling, I want to talk about independency. Because I wanted to bring this up like in the last episode, but it just I couldn't figure out how to like throw it in there. But by coming back to campus this semester, really with a limited number of like friends, I mean, I have a lot of acquaintances, but I like, have a limited number of like close friends. I was nervous because in the past times I've been on campus, I always had like a person that I was with. Like when I was a freshman, I had Lauren and Sedona, like I was with them all the time. Or when I was a sophomore, I spent 24-7 with my significant other. But coming back, even even when I was a junior and I was here for like three months, I had more people that I knew that I was closer with because of more people my age here. But now that the my graduating class had graduated, how do I word that? The class that I was originally going to graduate with until I had to go to treatment twice, <laughs> they're gone. Anyways, the people I came in with freshmen are gone, and now it's like the class below me is my new class. And I was honestly really scared because I didn't know many of the junior class as of now because I got to spend three months with them before COVID. And because I took the fall in the beginning of that year off to go to PHP, I knew none of the sophomores because 
I, again, did all virtual last year. And obviously, I don't know the freshmen because it's their first year, too. So I really only knew a handful of the juniors. And I knew a handful of my now graduating class. And I was scared because I was like, oh, I'm not going to have people to eat with. I'm not going to have people to hang out with. Like, I basically was like, oh, I have, like, probably, like, five people. That kind of scared me. But what's been cool is I don't know if COVID did this. I don't know if it's because I feel so much more comfortable just being by myself. But I would way rather spend a day with just me doing my own thing than hang out with a bunch of people. And I'm not saying that in like a negative way. Like I still do love my people time. I love seeing my friends. I love hanging out with my friends. But I really, really thrive off of like my me time, like my solo time. Like for example, today what I did, I woke up, I went to work, I came back, I stretched, I had therapy, I got ready. I walked to a coffee shop. I sat at a coffee shop for like three hours and I did my homework. And then I went to class. And then I did my classes. And now I'm back in my dorm room for like the evening. And that's a great day. Or like my my ideal Sundays are like I wake up at 11 o'clock. Sleep in, baby. I need to rest. And I go about my day. I go to my the place where I work. I get a matcha. I do all my homework. I plan my week out. I schedule. I come back to my dorm room. I clean it. Then my roommate comes back at night. And it's like an ideal day and I've spent 90% of it by myself when in the past I would have been like, oh my God, I can't handle these thoughts or can't handle being by myself for that long because I didn't know who I was. But now like I feel like I'm figuring out who I am and again, I like myself. Like I'm really proud of the person I'm becoming, proud of the way I show up to situations. So that's been super cool. But here's the caveat with that. I have no interest or desire to add more people into my life. Like, I'm not, like, opposed to it. Like, I'm not going to be some bitch if somebody's like, oh, Lauren, let's hang out. Or, like, oh, like, I want to be your friend. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to be like, mm, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I just don't feel a need. Specifically when it comes to having a significant other right now. I mean, I don't want a significant other at all. Like, I can't even imagine being really intimate with a person right now. But I just am not craving that sort of relationship. Like the relationships in my life that I have right now, I'm so content with and so happy with and I feel like are all healthy. And if they're not, I'm looking at them and I'm having hard conversations and like really surrounding myself with good, genuine, emotionally mature people that I don't want to add something else in that to kind of like disrupt this flow that I found and this like flow state that I'm in because I'm enjoying myself so much and I'm having a good time and I'm happy like I don't want anything to affect that but that's also bad because I don't want to become so comfortable with this state where I'm not pushing myself out of my comfort zone and meeting new people and challenging that but then again, I, I don't want to like threaten that happiness. So I don't know. It's been a weird like balancing thing. I've really journaled about it a lot for my design your life class because that's the first time I like really thought about it where I, we did a worksheet and it was like when we had to like log our days and 
within the day you had to like say what you did and the energy and then the engagement level that you had doing it and I noticed that all the times that I was the most engaged were the times that I was by myself and doing things by myself and that's when I felt like the most productive and I was like huh that's kind of interesting because I've always thought I like thrived off of being around people and like I'm an extrovert then I stopped and thought I said Lauren are you an extrovert or do people tell you you are an extrovert so therefore you believe that to be part of your identity when you're actually an introvert or maybe COVID made me an introvert I don't know but I feel like I just thrive so much more off of soloness than I ever have in the past which is interesting I don't know my identity is changing shifting who am I outside my ED theater forced I'm reading for my notes right now that I took on myself theater yeah I really thought theater was my identity but it kind of goes along the same lines as being an extrovert I feel like well yes I like theater I like to do theater it brings me joy I found this identity within it when I was really really young and everybody around me saw that identity too so it's almost like I labeled myself along with everybody else labeling me so I just kind of was like well this is what I'm known for this is what I do I do it pretty well so that's who I am and I never challenged that and I never really looked outside of it to who else I could be because of how strongly I just associated that with my worth and who I was as a person when now I'm sitting here and I'm like yeah no I'm not that I'm not that person and I'm not the same person I was in high school maybe that was my identity in high school and who I was but it's not me anymore I'm a barista I make coffee I can't steam milk for shit. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on it. My latte art's going to be from the crop by the end of the season. Mark my word. But that's who I am. As a friend. I'm a friend. Like I said, I've had to really reflect on a lot of my friendships recently. I mentioned in the previous podcast that I had a bit of a falling out. And that really made me stop and reflect on how I was showing up for others in my life along with myself and if I was being the type of friend I wanted to be if I could be doing more as a friend and as hard as that was to come to terms with I think it's helping me grow a lot as a person and rethink my priorities and how I want people to feel around me and what I want to bring out of people I'm a sister. I think I'm a good sister. One of the reasons why I wanted to recover from eating disorder so badly is so I could be an older sister because I didn't feel like I was an older sister. Like I literally felt like I was the younger one and that Caroline was older than me and had her life more together than me. And I was like, it's kind of embarrassing. Not Again, I'm not embarrassed of my disorder. It's just embarrassing because I want to be an older sister. I want to be her sister and I can't be her sister right now because I'm cycling with this mental disorder. I'm a daughter. My disorder made me show up terribly as a daughter. It caused my parents stress. Um, They still worry. I mean, we still argue about whether my thoughts disordered, whether it's really me, what's best for me, my recovery. They need to get out of my recovery so much because they're acting like my treatment team. Yada, yada, yada. But... I think I'm becoming a better daughter because I think I'm being more open and more vulnerable in my recovery than I ever have been in the past. So that's good. So that's like kind of who I am. And 
I think. I'm constantly ever-changing and growing and discovering myself, which is fun. Here's the main course of the episode. <laughs> That's so fucking funny, Lauren, because the podcast is about food. Damn. I'm witty. I'm really witty. But I want to talk about like why it's hard to get rid of theme disorder identity. I have three things to stem off of that idea. The first one being the security within it. What I realized in my recovery and my time at Res was I was holding on to this eating disorder identity as almost like a back pocket excuse where if somebody didn't like me, if a relationship didn't work out, if somebody didn't want to be with me, if I, I was just feeling bad about myself or anything, I was like, oh, it's not actually me they don't like. I just have an eating disorder. They're like, hey, like, you don't need to date or you don't need to take me seriously because I have this eating disorder that I'm recovering from. Oh, like, you don't need to get too close to me. I have an eating disorder. Like, kind of like a, a wall up in between me and others. And I use it as, like, an excuse to make things maybe even, like, hurt, make rejection hurt less. Because I was like, oh, no, that's, it's because of my disorder. It's because of my disorder. And that wasn't helping me at all. Like, it was literally just debilitating me from loving myself and having any self-worth. Because I was basically giving people the ability to treat me crappy or an excuse to treat me crappy if they wanted to because of my disorder. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense at all. But I found a security within it because it wasn't me. It wasn't me that people didn't like. It wasn't me that was upsetting people. It wasn't me that was getting rejection. It wasn't me that wasn't getting the roles. It wasn't me that was getting broken up with. It was because of my disorder. It was all because of my disorder. So it was okay. And it didn't hurt as much. And that wasn't allowing me to grow or helping me grow. And having that realization and like realizing I was why I was holding on to it so much, it's hard to come to. Another thing I want to talk about with it is the idea that while I feel so distant from my disorder at times, and I feel so distant from that identity, others still see me with it. Like others know, again, I'm so not secretive about having the disorder. Hell, I'm literally speaking about it on the internet right now. Like I post about it every, at least once a week about something to do with my recovery. And I love it. And I love advocating for it. And I really feel like that this is one of my purposes in life. But with doing that and allowing so many people to know the inner workings of my mind when it comes to it, I know that people see me as that and they see me as a girl with an eating disorder, a girl who's recovering from an eating disorder, and they question it. They question my behaviors, like I said with my parents. Like, I argue with them all the time about if it's me or if it's my disorder. And I don't know when that's going to go away or if that's ever going to go away. Probably not for a while. And that sucks because it's kind of like a reminder of where I'm at. But also, I know that I'm not recovered. And I do still have an eating disorder, but it can be hard when people still see you as that. Or like if I'm at a family event, I know that people are watching me and the way I'm interacting with my food. And that can be almost triggering within itself. Because you're like, shit, should I, do, do I act like I have an eating disorder? I mean, everybody knows I have one. And is this, is, am, am I performance eating right now? So everybody's like, oh, Lauren's doing fine. It's confusing. 
it's really confusing because I feel like the eating disorder is a label and becomes, again, like part of your identity. And losing it is really hard. And it's scary. And even when you lose it, it's still a part of you. Like, I was talking to Darcy about this last week. And it's crazy because I didn't even mention this to her. She was the one who brought it up first. But Darcy is arguably the, probably the most recovered person that I know. And she's like, it's so interesting because I'm so distanced from my disorder, yet I still am, like, surrounded by it. Like, I work literally for – she works for a school's, like, support system for eating disorders, like, support group. And it's still just, like, such, like, a prominent thing in her life. And I had the same exact realization. I was doing an assignment for one of my classes about, like, what's in your head, what's in your heart, and, like, oh, let's find a hustle for you. And in every single one of it, it's like it was a Venn diagram. That's what the circles, right? And how they connect in the middle. Either way, in all three of the categories, majority of what I'd written down was about eating disorders. It was about recovery, was about diet culture, was about haze, was about my mental health. So much of it was written like about it. And I was like, it literally made me stop and like reflect. I was shocked almost that that's where so much of my thoughts were still being like occupied by because when I'm sitting here I'm like not constantly thinking about my disorder all the time I'm not constantly thinking about recovery all the time but subconsciously apparently I am so I'm like shit I should be investing more into that because it's the thing that's on my mind so much and that's just like so weird because like even though again separate from the identity it's still such a big part of your life so maybe you never do lose the identity of having any disorder or being a person who suffered from disordered eating. Maybe it's always going to be tied to you in a part of you. But I don't know. Like, is that sad? I don't think it's sad, but I think it's weird because I never thought it'd be part of my identity. Like, never in a billion years would I think that I was a fifth-year senior who had to take time off because I had an eating disorder. That caused me to end up really, really physically, like, sick. Never would I have ever guessed that. But then again, my disorder helped me really discover who I am as a person and grow more than I probably would have grown within the past, my God, like, almost three years. I don't know. It's hard because I like having my eating disorder as part of my identity. Like, it's a part of me, and I'm not trying to erase that part of me, because I'm not, again, I'm not embarrassed, I'm not ashamed, I'm not saddened by it. It's making me who I am. But also, does there come a time when it's no longer that? Or maybe because of the fact of how transparent online and in my life I have been about my recovery and my disorder and my journey, that it's always going to be with me. And does that enable it? And enable me to stay in a quasi-recovery because I have this identity. But then again, like there's so many other influencers out there who advocate for eating disorder recovery and who are recovered themselves. And they still like advocate and speak about it and talk about it. But they're distanced from it. But do you still look at them and think that person had an eating disorder? And just immediately think, person with an eating disorder? I don't know. Maybe that's a question of the week. 
but I also would then ponder it and see if I can bring any other insightful thoughts to it at the beginning of next week's episode. Damn, I just got kind of deep right there. Very philosophical. Cool. Good job, Lauren. <laughs> um, yeah, so with that being said, what am I going to do to take care of myself tonight? I'm going to make myself a really good dinner. And I'm going to watch some TV. I don't know what. I'm going to watch some TV and edit this episode and go to bed early because I have to work in the morning again. Um, thank you for listening. I hope I get better at this solo podcast thing as we keep going. I'm sorry if it's a little off or weird. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out the kinks of this whole thing. But I'm glad that I'm able to sit and talk to you for however long this episode may be. And share some thoughts on recovery. Because as helpful as I hope it is for whoever may be listening to this, it's extremely helpful for me. Alright, well, have a lovely rest of your week. And go eat the fucking food. (laughs) Bye, thank you for listening.